Hey, we're going to be in uh, Psalm 77, so grab your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. These wonderful gentlemen, and I use the term loosely, will pass out a Bible. Um, but I encourage you, grab a Bible and follow along. Pull it up on your phone, whatever it is. Um, it's so important to, to just be in the Word together. Amen? All right, as I was driving out here this morning, I was reminded of the old hymn, Great is thy faithfulness. It says, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy, thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. I, as I was listening to that, I was thinking, man, how appropriate for what I want to teach about. You guys have no idea, so you'll figure it out later. But um, so um, my name's Greg. For those of you that don't know me, um, there's, it's amazing. There's so many new faces here at this church. I've been here since 2001, so that makes me the resident old guy. Um, I, there's only maybe a couple of people that have been here longer than, than me and my wife. And I think that's like Tina, uh, perhaps. I don't know. It, it, it's so long ago, we don't remember, right? Um, maybe Kim Handy. Uh, I, but yeah, it, it's been here a long time. I love this church. I love the, the style of church it is. I love the fact that we dig into the Word of God. And, uh, and, uh, it, you know, I, I learned something a long time ago, shortly after I started coming here, that if we're consistently teaching from the Word of God, it's, it's hard to get too far off in our own opinions because the Word of God keeps us centered. Amen? A pastor that uses the Word of God systematically and walking through it and just teaching what what the word says is is not going to go astray, and uh, is so important. So, anyway, it's just something that's near and dear to my heart. So, who am I? So, for those of you that don't know me, I thought I should tell you. For those of you that know me, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, so, like I said, I've been at uh, Coastline since 2001. I'm an elder here. I'm a musician. You've probably seen me playing bass guitar or sometimes, um, you know, attempting to play electric guitar. So, um, and, uh, you know, I'm a husband, a father, a father of adult children. That's weird. You know, I, it's a, that's a whole new adventure. Um, you know, we've got one living at home with us and, uh, but yeah, she's 21 years old. She can do her own thing and, but she's still living in our house, and it's hard not to, like, overly parent. <laughs> so, um, anyway, uh, and I'm a business owner, uh, majority owner of a, a marine construction company, you know, building piers and small bridges and dredging, that kind of stuff. And uh, so no shortage of headaches there, let me tell you. Uh, so I want to talk about something that's not always talked about from the pulpit. And uh, I'm going to try to hold it together. I'm already choking up. <laughs> so, uh, wow. 
So this is something I've been dealing with personally for the past few years. And uh, don't worry, this will get better. <laughs> um, so I'm going to be very real with you. It was just something I appreciate from from pastors and teachers. You know, too often I think people get up here and try to put on this air like, "Hey, I got it all together." And uh, if you want to know how to be successful in life, just come ask me because I'll show you the way. Yeah, that's not me, you know. And that's not how we should be. We're all sinners, saved by grace. We're all trying to navigate this thing called life, and uh, and it's hard. But God is good. He is faithful. So I want to talk about uh, situational anxiety, stress, despair, depression. You know, all of that kind of goes together. It's a whole big fat mess. Um, and just, I'm going to speak from my point of experience, and we're going to look at the Word together. And uh, and uh, everybody's situation is a little bit different, but. I am increasingly aware of how many people struggle with depression and anxiety, either from situations or just kind of that's how they're wired or they're under spiritual attack. And uh, um, and so then uh, Marcus was asking me if I had a a, a title for, for this teaching. And I said, nah, no, I don't. But the more I thought about it during worship, I think the title would be Perspective. And, and I think that's the one thing that we have as Christians that if we remind ourselves will help us through stress and anxiety and depression and all of those, those things. Um, and this is not going to be an exhaustive teaching on those matters. Really, my, my point is to, to share with you a psalm that has been really helpful for me. And, uh, I see Scott over here. I think it was about five or six weeks ago, uh, Pastor Chris asked me if I would teach this Sunday, and I said, yeah, yeah, okay, I think I can do it. I think my schedule works, and and uh, that week is just like, ah, man, this psalm was really on my heart. About a week later or so, out of the blue, Scott just texts me this psalm, and I was like, wow, okay. And then, uh, and then we took off on vacation, we were gone a couple of weeks, and got back, and you know, no good deed goes unpunished. Uh, it was being chaotic at work, uh, playing catch up, and I haven't had much time to study. But this psalm was still there, just ringing in my ears, ringing in my brain, and uh, I really feel like it's it's something that God is trying to teach me. But I think it's great to share with you guys. So, some say that Christians should expect life to be easy if you're living right in Christ Jesus. <laughs> Some would say we should always be healthy. And if we're not, there's uh, sin in your life. We should be wealthy, prosperous, no stress, no worry, no depression, no anxiety. Wrong. One of my most hated phrases in this world, in this culture right now, is I deserve dot, 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 fill in the blank. It's everywhere. Michael, you deserve to get married. Yo, fill in the blank. You deserve to get a better job. You deserve a raise. You deserve a better situation. 
you deserve honor for what you're doing. No, we don't deserve anything. The Bible teaches us that all of us, actually we do deserve one thing. We deserve eternal separation from God because of our sinful condition. We are wretched without Christ. Our condition deserves one thing, but God. Amen? No, we don't deserve those things. I would also say there is no promise that things will always go our way in life. Zero. There's, there's promises of blessing. But what does blessing look like? We have this, this mental notion of what blessing should be. Oh, I'm going to be blessed in my finances. Maybe not. You might lose everything. I should be blessed in my relationships. No, you might have some people really, really upset with you. I'm going to be blessed in this, blessed in that. No, our blessings are spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. Amen? In fact, in Second Timothy it says, Indeed, all who desire to live godly, a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Wow, that's not going my way. That could be persecution from people. That could be persecution from spiritual attack. And you're probably thinking, well, thanks, Greg. I, I came here to church to be uh, encouraged. Uh, don't worry, it gets better. But you'll have to bear with me a while. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. That is our hope. Let's draw near to God. The throne of grace. Press into him. Sometimes hard to do. All right, we're going to jump into Psalm 77 because I think the psalmist was going through a lot of things that uh, caused him to be hopeless. By the way, have you noticed it's fall outside already? <laughs> yeah, um, and I, I wore a vest this morning. It's too warm, you know, because the, the mornings are crisp, the days are hot, and I love it. But uh, all right, Psalm 77. We'll start verses, uh, well, it, it, let's talk about the psalm first. It was written by Asaph, uh, who, second to David, wrote, wrote the most psalms in uh, in this book. Um, I, I'm not going to give you an exhaustive s- study of Asaph, but um, uh, this was likely during the time that uh, Jerusalem was being invaded by the Babylonians. Uh, and it's important to note that Jerusalem was not delivered. I mean, Jerusalem ultimately was captured by the Babylonians. Much later, Jerusalem was delivered. But we're talking about perspective here, so keep that in mind. All right, verse 1. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Selah. He's going through some stuff, it sounds like. You know, you can kind of catch the tone of what he's saying. And how many of us have wrestled with 
you know, grief or impossible situations or stress and, and, and feel this way. You know, we know we should be crying out to God. But, uh, you know, he's, he's in the night. His hand is stretched out, crying out to God. So that suggests sleepless nights. But then... You know, his hand is stretched out without wearying, but, but his soul refuses to be comforted. How many times have you, like, cried out to God, but you're, even, even as you're reading the word or something, your, your soul just is unsettled and not comforted by it? I told you I was going to be real. Now, we're supposed to say, hey, read the word, you'll find great peace and all of that. Well, sometimes it doesn't work that way. Sometimes it, it, it's, it's a struggle. So we seek the comfort, but even godly comfort is rejected by our soul. It's important to note. It's rejected by our soul. Our soul is not our spirit. Our soul is our mind, emotions, and will. So our mind is so consumed. Our, our emotions are so wrapped up in this, and our, our will has a lot to do with it. Because it, notice it says, my soul refuses to be comforted. So sometimes it's a condition of, of where we're at. And uh, we'll, we'll talk a little more of, about that later. But it, it, it's also important to note that the psalmist is not one who refuses to seek God. Sorry, i got my pen here like I'm going to take notes. <laughs> um, um, you know, he, he's, he's crying out to God. He's, he's, he's doing the right things, but so far no comfort. He is, and he's continually crying out to God. And we can all find ourselves in this kind of situation at times, hopefully not continually. And then it says, Selah. So how many of you always kind of, you read through the Psalms and you kind of wonder about this word. It's, it's a word that's not translated. It's just transliterated. Basically, you know, just spelled out in the English language so we know how to pronounce it. But the meaning is a little bit ambiguous. Um, some scholars think it's purely a musical term because all of the psalms were, were, were songs that were meant to be sung in, in the congregation or, or just, you know, even privately to the Lord. Um, but I think there's, there's a deeper meaning to it. I think it's, and a lot of scholars agree on this, that it's, it's a call to, to pause and reflect on these things. And so I think it's, it's both. It's a musical term, a call to pause and reflect. It could be a musical term meaning guitar solo. You know, I'm, I'm not sure, but I, I kind of like that one. But, uh, but seriously, you know, as we, we read through this, let's pause and reflect. Have I been in this situation? Am I currently in this situation where I, you know, I'm, I'm crying out to God, but there's no comfort. I'm reading the word, but there's no comfort. So pause and reflect on that. Verse 4, you hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. So he's, he's, it seems like he's almost accusing God of, of keeping him awake at night. Is that really the case? You know, I don't know. You know, maybe God's 
keeping him awake at night, so he'll continue to cry out and try to draw close. Could be that just the situation is weighing on him so heavily he can't, he uh, he can't, uh, uh, he, he just can't sleep. I've been there. There was a time, uh, 2012, 2013, uh, you know, had a, a really bad financial situa- situation at work, and uh, I literally thought I was going to lose everything. I mean, that was just the reality. If things didn't turn around, I was going to lose the business. And, uh, you know, there's this, there's this notion out there that, hey, if you got a corporation, you're protected. All your personal stuff is, uh, is protected. You'll be fine. I'm sorry. That's not how it works. Every bank, every insurance company, every bonding company, all of that, they make you sign personal guarantees so they can go after, if it all comes crashing down, they go after everything. Maybe even your firstborn. So, uh, so I, I remember coming home, flop down on the couch, turn on the TV, and stare right through the TV at the wall behind it. And just my brain was just going a million miles an hour. You know, what if, what if, what if, what if? And uh, we had a travel trailer at the time, and I, one day I told my wife, I said, well, if it all goes down, maybe I can get them to let me keep the travel trailer. At least we'll have a place to live. And uh, um, that was reality. I mean, I, I was trying to be very realistic about it. And uh, it was tough. It's hard. I prayed and prayed and prayed. There came a there came a point where I was just I I could feel myself <clears throat> slipping into depression, and, and it was not not fun, and there wasn't much I could do about it. I was crying out to God, I was praying, and I wasn't seeing the relief. I remember getting together on a, a little elders retreat down in Cannon Beach, and I you know I just bared my heart to the guys, I was like I'm I'm struggling. Please pray for me, and. Uh, here we go. <laughs> um, they laid hands on me and prayed. Everything changed, except for my situation. <laughs> so, no, seriously. It was like a thousand tons was taken off my shoulders. Went to work, you know, that Monday. Nothing was different. But my perspective was different. And that changed everything. I started to see around me that despite all these things that I could lose, God had blessed me in so many ways. Wonderful family, my faith, my church, you know, so many things. I'm finding myself in a very similar situation right now. Not exactly the same, but I mean, this year has been hard. Been really hard. You know, some some things going on with family members. A lot of things going on with work. Government regulations just putting a stranglehold on our business. Got one one project going on right now that's just an absolute stinker and just sucking all the money out of the company. Thank God it's almost done. <laughs> um, you know... There's been, there's been personnel issues. Had a guy get injured. You know, 
It's been, it's been tough. You know, in 2000, I, I want to say 2018, 2019, I, uh, I, I went through this time and now it seems to reoccur every year where, you know, just stresses of work. Even if it's, you know, everything's going well. It's the worry of what if. Keeping me awake at night, you know, weighing on me so heavily that I can't enjoy, you know, some of the, the small things in life. Can't enjoy the presence of my family sometimes. And, uh, and have often in the past few years felt myself sliding into depression. You know, I've never gone to a doctor or anything like that and, you know, been diagnosed as clinically depressed or anything. But you, we've all been there to some degree. I, now, I tend to run a little low of center. I'm not always the happiest guy around. Um, it's just the way I'm, I'm wired. I'm a bit melancholic, you know. Pretty sarcastic too, but uh, uh, but but then there are times where it's just like, man, I'm 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 kind of slipping. My outlook on life is 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 sliding. Um, my uh, my optimism is gone, and uh, and it's a tough place. But God, Amen. It's it's in those times where I can put myself in the shoes of the psalmist. Wow, time is flying. I got a lot to cover here. Okay. You know what it means when a teacher from the pulpit is concerned about time? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Good thing is I haven't done this in a long time. So, um, you know, if I go over, yeah, nobody can really be that mad at me. <laughs> no, I, I won't keep you here too long. But... Um, but yeah, I can really identify with the psalmist here. You know, that just crying out and, and it's not immediately solved. There's not an immediate change in my heart. My, my soul is not being comforted. Sometimes my soul refuses to be comforted. Sometimes it's, it's because I'm looking at the storm around me more than my Lord. Alright, so, um, but as we look at verses 4 through 6 there, you know, he's, he's suggesting that God is the one keeping him awake. Um, you know, regardless, he's so troubled that he, he's at a, even at a loss to word. He does, at a loss for words. Doesn't even know how to cry out to the Lord anymore. Can't articulate what he's going through to the people around him. But he's, he does do one thing correct here. He says, let me remember my song in the night. And I was thinking about this. How many times have I been going through things like this and, uh, and I just turn on worship music and, uh, and, uh, pretty soon I find myself kind of singing along and I like, and pretty soon I'm thinking, wow, this is right. I should be praising God because even in the midst of my circumstance, he is still good. He is still faithful. He is still with me. And I can praise him on that basis. Amen? So, um, and then he, he says, let me meditate in my heart. We should be meditating on God's word. Even if we're not finding the comfort, continue to meditate on God's word. It will, uh, it will change you bit by bit. It will change your perspective. But still, he did not find any relief from his situation. 
and there in, in verse 6 at the end, he says, Then my spirit made a diligent search. So as we look at the next few verses, there's a couple of different ways to read this. So we're going to start with the, the first way to read it. And I'm putting myself in the psalmist's shoes. He's like, will the, will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? What's spurn mean? Reject. Is God just going to reject me? I can hear this tone like, I don't get it. Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Almost out of frustration. He's asking these questions like, this is the way it is. God's mad at me. He's never again going to be compassionate. His promises are at an end. It all ends with me. And I was thinking, sometimes that's how we get. We see it as continually hopeless. So I've got a couple of, uh, a couple of posters here that we'll pull up on the, on the slides here that kind of fit this situation. Maybe. Hopelessness. It's always darkest before it goes completely black. I've been there. Next one. Hope may not be warranted at this point. Can you guys identify with that? It's crazy. Okay, that's enough. Those are depressing. <laughs> and honestly, the first half of this psalm is depressing. This is not a movie I necessarily recommend. I find it incredibly funny, but uh, some people don't. Uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah. <laughs> King Arthur's having a conversation with God, and God says, what are you doing? He said, I'm averting my eyes, O Lord. He said, well, don't. It's like those psalms, always so depressing. <laughs> and, and after a while, I was reading this, and and, and thinking, yeah, it is kind of depressing. But you got to read the rest of the psalm. And, and you know, as... As we look at those few verses there where, where he's suggesting that God is done with his promises. God is no longer going to be compassionate. Um, I, I didn't even read it that way until I, I started looking at a couple of commentaries and they were suggesting that that's the tone here. I read it a completely different way. And so let's look at it in, in a way that I think is a better read. You know, perhaps we start out, I'm sorry, uh, thinking that God is done with his promises. But I think these should be rhetorical questions with obvious answers. Will the Lord spurn forever? Will he reject me forever? No. Is his love and mercy at an end? No. Have his promises ended for all time? No. Has he forgotten to be gracious? No. How could God forget to be himself? Has he cut off compassion out of anger? No. Don't be ridiculous. These are obvious answers. And when we have the correct perspective, we know that the answers to each of these questions is absolutely not. And this is the correct view when we consider 
who God is. So the next word is Selah. Pause. Reflect. Do a guitar solo if you want. (laughs) Think about how great God is. How merciful he is. How loving he is. How he is not angry with us because why? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. He looks at you and he sees you perfectly righteous. Not because of anything you've done or will do, but on the basis of Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen? So verse 10 is like this big switch in the psalm. It says, Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. Basically saying, I will appeal to God on what, on the basis of what I know to be true. Amen? So his track record. Verse 11, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder, ponder, ah, sorry, I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What like our great God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the people. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. So the wonders of old. Well, how do you know what those are? Read your Bible and be encouraged. God is faithful. Great is your faithfulness. Oh God, our Father. Look, that's why it's so important to be a student of the Word. Read the Bible. Even when it's boring, read the Bible. Because pretty soon you'll start to remember these things at the appropriate time. Because God, through His Holy Spirit, will bring these things to mind as they apply to your life. Meditate on His works, His deeds. Consider them. Ponder them. Pray. And apply his track record to your situation. Now remember, like I said earlier, there's no promise that you'll have financial prosperity, but you'll have spiritual prosperity. There's no promise that that sickness is going to be removed miraculously. But we have the hope of heaven. We have a promise of a new body with no more sickness. We have, we have the hope of being with Christ forever. Amen? No more weeping. No more sorrow. No more stress. No more anxiety. No more depression. If you want to go there. Amen? Who is like Him? Remember, Selah. Who is like God? Marcus isn't like God. And I really like Marcus. He's a pretty cool guy. But he's nothing compared to our God. My wife, I like her too. But she's nothing compared to my God. My kids, who is like our God? Very good. Amen. He makes wonders and shows his might amongst all peoples. There's so many examples of, you know, it's not just the Christians or not just the the godly people that see his wonders, but people all around see his wonders. 
If you're going through something and it's tough and it's hard, but you've got this, this hope and you're, you're continuing to put your faith in Jesus Christ and God is seeing you through it, even though it's a tough, tough circumstance, other people around you, non-believers, they're going to see that. They're going to notice that. God makes his wonders known amongst all people. He is our redeemer. Here in, in verse 15, it's talking about he's redeemed his people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. So speaking specifically of the Israelites. But we know as we continue to read in the word that he's redeemed us. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But we have been saved. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm just going to read a passage real quick. This is out of the King James Version. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And he has raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace you are saved, through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. He has saved us, and it's his doing. All we have to do is just place our faith in him and, and acknowledge that he's done it. And we can rejoice in that. So, remember and appeal to him based on his past faithfulness in the lives of others. His past faithfulness in your life. Look back at your life. Look at the times where, you know, God has just been there and brought you comfort in a situation or or worked out something in a way that you could never imagine. For example, back in 2013 when I thought I was going down in flames, uh, that business is still around, and I still have my house, I still have my firstborn, you know, nobody came and took her away. Uh, well, oh, wait a minute, she got married, so yeah, somebody came and took her away. Uh, but it wasn't a bank or anybody like that. So, um, But the the end of the story is, when, when those guys prayed for me and I felt like a thousand tons taken off my shoulders, nothing changed in the situation immediately. But little by little, God brought us the right kind of work, helped us dig out of the hole and, uh, and continue. And, and I know that the provisions were brought by the Lord, but it was not an easy situation. It was not a fun time, but God got me through it. Appeal to him based on his nature. We know that what? God is love. He loves us. Yes, he's powerful and angry, you know, when, when the time comes. But does he look at you on the basis of your sin? He looks at you on the basis of Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's not a license to sin. I'm just saying that's the reality of how he sees you. He is gracious and compassionate, his word tells us. He is powerful. He's loving. He's absolutely unreal. 
to us. I mean, we can't comprehend how good he is. He's faithful. Not just some of the time. Not in just some situations. He is faithful always. Appeal to him based on his promises. There's so many promises. Just have the right perspective on the promises. The promises contained in God's word do not guarantee that life will be easy or will have great success necessarily in this life. But we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings. He is with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. And appeal to him based on your position in Christ. Amen? And Selah. Pause. Ponder. Consider that. Verses 16 to 20. He says, When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So this this passage here is, there's a little disagreement between Bible scholars, but this passage is most likely a reference to the Israelites uh, being driven by the Egyptian armage, uh, army to the, to the Red Sea, and then God parting the Red Sea and allowing them to cross on dry land. But there are some things in here that are, that are like extra, or more than what we see in the book of Exodus. So either Asaph is adding more details that weren't shared in Exodus, or he's just using poetic language, or he's just talking about in general, this is, you know, this is who God is and the thunderings and lightnings and all of these things. But the reality is, I, I just love verse 16. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. Been seeing all these pictures from Florida from the hurricane and the storm surge. I mean, the wind was enough. I mean, 150 mile an hour sustained winds. That's, that's unbelievable. We get a lot of wind here, but not like that. But that storm surge, the power of water just obliterating entire coastal towns. The power of water is absolutely unbelievable. But when the waters saw God, they trembled. Gives you a little perspective. If you feel like you're drowning, you're being consumed, God is still more powerful. So uh, real quick, and I'll try to wrap this up. This summer I, w- I was down at the conference in Corvallis uh, with a bunch of leadership from, from the church here. And, um, and you know, I was expecting that maybe God would speak to me through one of the, the sermons or something like that. And, uh, I mean, there were, there were some good nuggets here and there, but, but actually he spoke to me completely differently and just brought a couple of passages to mind just during our, our times of prayer there. And, um, uh, there's, there's two accounts in the book of Mark with the disciples in a boat during a storm. And I'm going to summarize this here real quickly. But in in, in Mark chapter 6, uh, it starts in verse 45. 
Um, I'm not going to read it all, but basically the disciples are cruising along in a boat at night. They seem to travel at night a lot by boat. Um, must have been some of the sea conditions there or something. I, I don't know what it was. But um, but there was, uh, you know, they were, they were kind of struggling. And, um, but then Jesus decides to leave the shore and just walk across the, the Sea of Galilee there. And, and uh, so it says, uh, you know, he would have passed them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they su- su- supposed there had been a spirit or a ghost. And they cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and said unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And he went up to them in the ship, and the wind ceased. And they were, it says, they were sore amazed. I love that. I love that language. I mean, they were amazed, but it, it hurt. They were amazed so much. <laughs> they were, they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. So, um, so that was the first example. And the second example is actually prior to that in Mark 4. You know, and this was, uh, I believe this was after feeding of the 5,000. But uh, Jesus said, let us pass to the other side. And uh, and so they took off across, and, and I'm, I'm just going to summarize here for the sake of time. They took, a, uh, took off across the sea, and, uh, and a storm arose, and Jesus was sound asleep in the back of the boat, just snoozing. It had been a long day. Um, and, uh, and the disciples were freaked out and they woke him up in a panic and said, Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? We're going down. And what are you doing sleeping? And he was like, don't you guys have any faith? And he gets up, wipes the sleep out of his eyes. Peace be still. Flat, calm. No wind, no waves. My point is, what God was speaking to me at that time was invite him into the boat. I was already wrestling with a bunch of stuff and uh, and there was more stuff coming that I didn't know about. And uh, and, and so I, I left that conference just thinking, all right, Lord, I, I don't know what's coming, but uh, I want to invite you into the boat. And so I want to encourage you guys Whatever you're going through, even if you're not going through anything, you're on, uh, you're on this journey through life, navigating the seas of life, invite him into the boat because that's where the peace comes from. It's interesting to note there in, in Mark chapter 4 that the storm was raging, but Jesus was asleep. He was at peace. Let's be like Jesus. Let's... If if he's that comfortable with what's going on, we shouldn't be rattled. I know that's really easy for me to say from up here. Sounds good. It's really hard for me to walk out and 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 believe that. But but it's true. If Jesus isn't worried about the storm, I shouldn't be worried about the storm. But to the earlier the earlier point, if he's not in the boat with you, invite him into the boat. Whatever you're going through, invite him into the situation. Consider who he is. Consider his promises. Consider his track record and appeal to him on that basis. Amen?
So I'll leave you with a couple of questions. Do you believe Him? Do you believe who He is? Do you believe what the Bible says He has done? Do you believe the promises that have been given to you? Do you believe that He has redeemed you? Do you believe that He will never leave you and forsake you? Secondly, do you trust Him? It's, it's one thing to believe all of those things, but do you trust Him to continue to be who He is, to continue with that kind of truck, track record, to continue to save you? And then, do you believe Him and trust Him even if your circumstance doesn't change? Hard questions. But that's what we have to ask ourselves. God is faithful every step of the way. I'm not. He hasn't brought us this far to abandon us. Our idea of abandonment is a lot different than his. He's seeing us through to an end, a perfect hope of being with him in heaven. It may mean there's rough times here on earth yet, but he is good. He promises... He says, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Another place he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. He is with us every step of the way. So as we wrap up, I'd like to have the worship team come up for one more song. Um, And I want to go back to what I was saying about uh, my situation in 2013 and asking those guys to pray with me. I didn't have a lack of prayer in my life. I was crying out to God. Kind of like the psalmist here. I had sleepless nights where I just I felt like, you know, figuratively, my hand was stretched out without ceasing. God, help me. So it wasn't lack of prayer. But I didn't find the change in me until I prayed with others. I don't know why that is. But I want to encourage you, if you're going through something right now, I pray, or I ask that you would pray with others. And so we're going to have a few people around the room here uh, that would be happy to pray with you. And uh, um, don't think you're the only one. You know, that, that's a lie from the enemy saying, oh, nobody else is going through this. It's just you and you're an idiot for feeling that way. No, we're all going through messy situations. We're all going through tough things. Humble yourself and ask for prayer. It's powerful. And I can't guarantee you that God's going to change anything right away. But Pray. Pray with others. Ask others to be involved with you. And uh, it's so refreshing. So one more thing. Sorry, I'm rambling now. But uh, during that time, there was was a guy who used to go to the church here. And and he was going through a really rough time as well. And we, we ended up like, you know, talking back and forth. And we started sharing psalms that each of us were were reading through our, our tough situations. And every single Sunday was like, hey, look at, look at this psalm. This is so cool. And, and we'd, we'd end up encouraging each other so much just because we were both going through really tough situations and we were reading the word and, and, uh, we weren't afraid to talk about it. So I encourage you 
ask a brother or sister to pray with you. And, um, and speaking of prayer, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you for your character and your promises. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for your enduring faithfulness. That you're always with us. You're always working on our behalf, even though we can't see it, Lord. So, Lord, I just pray that right now, any of us that are going through hard times, we would cry out to you, continue to cry out to you, and we would cry out to you on this basis of what we know to be true. Not what we feel to be true, but what we know to be true because of who you are, what your word says about you. And, Lord, I pray that we would humble ourselves and be real with each other. Ask those around us to join us in prayer. And Lord, for anyone that's not going through a hard time, pray that they would just tuck this away for when they are. And, and also, Lord, give them opportunity to be an encouragement to those who are struggling. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.